ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And Matt, today we're doing a little bit of that. What have you been watching? We've both been pretty busy, too. We've sent each other a lot of texts. I mean, today we can say we're recording on November 4th. October was a big month. We're watching a lot of horror stuff, and a lot of horror stuff has been coming out. There's a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of good stuff. And Netflix, in particular, released a couple cool things this month. Netflix has been killing it, man. I've been watching a bunch of Netflix. I mean, big shout out to our fans. I want to start here. Before we dive into what we've been watching, big shout out to our fans because October was the best, best month we ever have. Thanks everybody for visiting the podcast. We really couldn't do it without you. <laughs> October was the best month we have ever had. It seriously through the roof numbers, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out our artist spotlight. That's something new we've been doing, and I really appreciate everybody who checked that out. That's amazing. And just, we've had some great episodes. Our Halloween review, that was big for us, man. Lots of people checked that out, uh, the new Halloween. We had fun talking about it. If you guys haven't checked that out, it's very fun, especially if you're a fan of the show, if you're a fan of the holiday, if you're a fan of the film franchise, we kind of touch upon all that stuff, and it's it, it was pretty good. We've actually, I've gotten a, a couple good comments, both from friends and from people I don't know, that say that we did a good job dissecting it. Like, wow, yeah. you guys really went in depth. And I was like, oh, I, I'm glad you guys like that. But I thought that we weren't being funny because we were, I didn't think we were being as funny because we were being really analytical. But yeah. no, they were like, no, you guys had the perfect balance of jokes and checking stuff out. So if you haven't checked that out yet, you should, you should swing on over to our Halloween 2018 spoiler-filled review. Oh, yeah, we spoiled the fuck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, though, and it's good. I hope you guys have watched that. But... As far as watching goes, uh, Aaron and I have both watched a little bit of Netflix' new The Haunting of Hill House series. Rumi, let's jump in, man. What do you think? I was sick last week, and I binge-watched the hell out of this show. Uh, this was recommended to me by Chris Canavo, friend of the show who did our Godzilla, Godzilla series. episodes, yeah. Yeah. He recommended it to us on SoundCloud, and I was like, I'll give it a shot. Um, I know a lot of people worked on the show, so I was like, let's check it out. I was sick. I watched the whole series in one day. <laughs> oh, nice. How many episodes is it total? Ten. 10, okay, 10 so episodes. I really liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. It's not what I expected, especially, and we were saying this, like a lot of horror is coming out, but it's kind of, we're kind of seeing an evolution of horror. People aren't afraid to be a little bit slower in a world where Blumhouse puts out the cookie cutter stuff like five times a year Yeah, to see Netflix do something that is more akin to like a shining TV show. Mm-hmm. I was impressed with it. I mean, there's definitely parts we're going to talk about that I didn't love. But for the most part, I was into the characters. I was into the ghosts. I was into the story. It was creepy as hell. Pretty damn cool, man. What did you think so far? I know you're not quite done with it. Yeah, you know, so I have, I'm actually, I'm crazy fucking busy. I've been doing stuff like ridiculous for the show, for work, for everything, running around. My parents were in town this week. So I'm actually behind on my watching, but Aaron really like recommended this and he's like, hey, this would be a good show for us to talk about. So I was trying to finish up some other shows that I'm in the middle of before I started this one because I figured I was either going to watch one or two episodes, hate it and move on, or watch one or two episodes and be into it and need to get to the end. But everyone was like, see if you can watch the first episode at least. So I did do that. I did it yesterday and I, I don't want to say I'm hooked, but I'm eagerly awaiting the second episode. Like I was bummed 
that I had more shit to do yesterday and yeah. couldn't watch more because I'm on board for sure. So I guess while we talk, do your best if you can not to spoil anything. But if you got to drop some some stuff, drop some stuff. But look at his face. What he's got a big wide mouth and eyeballs. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of all the things that I shouldn't spoil. Well, if you can, if you remember stuff in the beginning, I won't, like I won't tell plot points, but there's there's certain parts that I'm super excited to talk about, or at least get you excited about. This show's interesting, and and the thing I like most about it is it's about a family that in the past they lived in a really gnarly haunted house, and in the future their lives are all messed up about it. And it's not future; it's like modern time. And the coolest thing about the whole story is it jumps back and forth between them as children and the events that are like messing them up and then them as adults as a very fractured family. And I think that's really cool. It does, and it does a good job. And it's funny that you watched this while sick, because I watched it yesterday when I had strict orders from both doctors, wives, and moms to stay in my bed and not get out of bed all day. And I'm not going to lie, the first time it jumped in time, it doesn't really show that. Like, it doesn't like, yeah. does it say 26 years later or something? No, you just see them as adults all And I was like, wait a minute. And now the very first shot, shows a couple of the kids in the past. And there's an incident that happens at night. One girl wakes up screaming and the older brother, the oldest of the boys, who's still a boy, he's not a grown-up, not even a teen, he comes in to like check on it. And that's the way that the the, the show introduces the children in the the family. But it does it in kind of a staggered way where it doesn't say like, this is Joe, this is Sally, this is this person. So later on when it jumped into the future... There were five kids, and I swore that there were only four in the beginning. Yes, Do you agree? Same thing happened to me because <laughs> okay. when we when we met the hot, aggressive bachelorette lesbian sister, I was like, "Who's this? Who is this? Yeah, I, I did the Who's same this? thing. I had no clue who she was, and then I was I had to like I literally had to go back and try and count the kids, and I was like, "Oh, I guess they do show them, but they're just two little girls sleeping in bed, and you don't register and they them look as exactly the same, and they you don't yeah. know their names at the beginning, so." It, but it, 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 it doesn't destroy anything, but it did have me scratching my head. And then at one point in a flashback or in a flashback, they specifically say you were in a car with five, with your five kids. And I was like, OK, so I understand that the show is telling me that there are five and I believe the show. But I did rewind to go one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> five? Yeah. The exact same thing happened to me where I was like, wait. Who is this character and why are they so friendly? <laughs> like, I literally thought it was just some chick who lived in one of the, si- the, uh, yeah, one of the siblings too, yeah. becomes a, a mortician, which is very fitting. And I thought she let somebody live in her garage and they were just really good friends. And then I was like, oh, that's the other sister that I yeah. forgot. Existed. She's like, my garage doesn't have enough wacky lesbians in it. I'll let this chick <laughs> live there. But yeah. no, it's, it's like one of those things when you watch like <laughs> either like a, a time travel movie or a sci-fi movie or a mystery where you're not quite understanding what it's saying, but you're like, okay, I understand that you're giving me this information. I don't know what that means, but I'll just take that as the truth. I, that's how I was for the most of this episode. And then when I went and rewatched the beginning, I was like, okay, there are five there. You just yeah. kind of didn't point the fifth one out. But I was like, okay. They did not, yeah. But it was, a, it was uh, a funny way to start it. There's a funny moment that I had, and I don't know if you had this moment, where one of the little girls, or maybe it's a little boy, they're, they're hanging out and they have a, a little tin lunchbox sitting next to them, yeah. and it's an ET lunchbox. And looking at the little E.T. lunchbox, I go, the dad who plays young dad is Elliot from E.T. Correct. That's the actor. His name is Henry Thomas. And I, I, when I read, when I, the first, he's in the first scene, he walks in and starts talking. I immediately was like, 
that's the kid from E.T., but he's got really? weird contacts. Oh, I knew right away. And I, I yeah, knew nothing. He has weird contacts. I knew nothing of the show walking in, so I just saw him. Yeah. I recognized him. Huh. And he's one of those guys that you think would be in more movies. He's been in plenty, but you think he'd be in more. But he's got weird blue contacts in, which to me is one of the downsides because it's distracting in every scene he's in. I don't know if it'll yeah. come into play later, but right well, now it's like distracting. The old man version of him has really blue eyes, so they were trying to match oh, them. Oh, because that's they played by Timothy Hutton, right? Yes, and and they do a great job, and they actually do a great job of acting like the older and younger version. They, they really yeah. blend those characters well, but they both should have been wearing the same contacts because Timothy Hutton has really blue eyes, but not that blue. Sure, sure. Yeah, right. Like Aaron said, this story follows a family both in the past and now. It's five kids and two parents. I'm not going to spoil too much about how that dynamic may change over time. But yep. like Aaron said, there's definitely some haunted bullshit that happens to them younger in the house. And now we're talking about it as adults. They're revisiting some of the things that have fucked them up. And I feel that, again, I've only watched one episode. But so far, I feel that this did what Halloween 2018 was trying to do by showing like, what would the PTSD and psychological drama yep. and, and you know detriments be of having that kind of bullshit happen to you and or your family. And I feel that everything that I critiqued about Halloween, this so far is doing a real good job. You know, first of all, you got five kids, so each kid yep. has a different relationship with each other. Some of them are more close, some of them are less close. Same with the father. Some of them, you know, kind of have the father's back, the fact that he feels certain ways about other things. Other people have written off the father, and they're doing a great job of, at least in the first episode, of peppering in that introductory, like, okay, I believe dad. Okay, I don't believe dad. Okay, you know, our delinquent brother, I will look out for him. I've already written that brother off. It's really, yeah. really cool. I like how Great they've written family and acting that so far. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that this show does really, really well and you get really invested in is the fractured family aspect of it and the grieving family aspect of it. And I think the show does an incredible job. And this is as, spoiler, as spoilery as I'm going to get is by the end, you're like, wow, I really understand their dynamics and they've done a great job. The part that I want more of that most movies do too much of is give me more of the ghosts. Like, I want more sure. ghost story. I want you to explain the ghost story. This is more, this focuses on the family and less on the, there's plenty of ghosts. Don't get me wrong. There's tons of ghost stuff. But like, I, I want the Silent Hill moment mm. in the Silent Hill movie where suddenly the movie derails for 15 minutes is like, let me tell you this ghost story about why this all happened. And you're like, Okay, but you couldn't have peppered that out throughout the movie. You're going to give it to me all right now. Like, I'm waiting for the moment. I was waiting for the moment where they're like, here's the ghost side of the story. And you're like, ah, creepy. But they don't do that. It's more about the family and them dealing with it, which is fine. It's, it doesn't detract from a really well-done story. But that's my only crit criticism for the whole thing. There is an episode at a funeral that I think is incredible. I think that's the next episode I have to watch. It's that's episode all... Two long long steady cam takes and they do some really cool shit where like they'll show somebody in the casket at as as a child and then as the camera rotates around to the people's faces the next time it comes back around them it's the adult so that's telling me they're either hiding a cut in there or they're actually as the camera's not looking at the casket they're fully switching it out like right, teams right. of people are running in and they do that throughout the whole episode long like there were moments where i'm like is this all one take and then it'll go to go to the past and be one long take and you're like wow they are doing huge steady cam long 
long takes for this, and it's really well done. That's I mean, they're obviously hiding cuts in there, but it's really, really cool. And I don't want to go on too far of a digression here, but I think we're seeing a lot more of long take things, right? Netflix Daredevil fight scenes is one. This yeah. is another. We're starting to see them a lot more long, long takes. Do you think that that's something that film and TV makers are trying to do on purpose because it's different and because I feel like people like you or I and other people in the industry will notice that that is a long thing and hard to do production-wise. People like, say, my parents, who wouldn't register that on a conscious level, I believe that they would pick that up subconsciously if it was done right. I think that they would pick that up and they would notice that is a different type of filmmaking. And I think that that can, um, that can work with tension and suspense. That can yeah. work with drama. There's a couple different things that those long takes, I think, could have uh, evoked in you emotionally. Do you, do you think that too? A hundred percent. Because, I mean, editing does something to tell a story. It gives you a pacing. It breaks up your visual sort of cadence. But when you start doing a long take, I think, I think it tells a different story in a different way, in a very impactful way. But for me, as somebody who watches film and recognizes film, like, I remember this moment specifically. We were watching um, the first season of True Detective, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. But there's one scene that's a really long, long steady cam take. And we're watching it, and I suddenly start grabbing Kate's arm, and she's like, "What?" I'm like, "They haven't cut. They haven't cut." Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she's like, "And she's like, what, what? What are you talking?" I'm like, "They haven't cut. It's still going. It's one long take." And like when I recognize that, I get really amped up because I'm like, "How long can they keep this going?" And it's amazing to me when they start doing that, and I recognize it. I love it. I love long takes. I love long cuts. I just recently posted something on Facebook that I, I can't even remember the name of the show. It's that new Jim Carrey show. But there's a scene that shows like a time lapse yes, inside yes. an apartment, but it was actually done live on a Steadicam. And every time it turned, it turned around in this tiny apartment, teams would run in and switch the walls out, switch the furniture, switch the clothes. And they did this for like a five minute shot. And that was so impressive to me. And that kind of thing blows my mind because that's real technical filmmaking. It's definitely a cool video. And it shows, like I said, people like you and I who know what goes into a production and then you have people like my like my parents are always a good example because they've seen a thousand movies. They're into movies. They're movie people, but they don't necessarily think about what would go into that shot. You know, what would go yep. into that take or that that production. So for those people who don't think about what goes on literally behind the camera, that's a great video because you watch. It's a picture in picture of what's being shot. And then the wider picture shows you know, a, a fly on the wall, ver, uh, a vision of what that whole scene is. But all right, well, we've walked away from the haunting of Hill House a little bit. Let's get back into that scary bitch. I love <laughs> it. And like you said, I'm only one episode in, but I love how they're crafting the tension. I think your comparison of The Shining was spot on because it's doing a good job of, I'm going to take slow, deliberate steps. I'm going to show you these specific things. And then here is a scare. There's a real good scare in the beginning. Downside for me, there's two, if not three, scares where creepy ghost or creepy apparition or creepy person is there. They open their mouth and scream with a loud, large music cue. Stop screaming at me! If you guys don't remember or don't know how much I don't like to be yelled at in horror movies, please go listen to our It 2017 review because I go into it in in deep, deep depth there. But, um, But to that same end, in that same episode... A little girl is sleeping yep. after she's been scared, after her scream, and she wakes up and this ghost is floating above her and it's just going, no, 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 no. And that freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. 
That was cool. There was, and that's the thing is, you know, I understand that there are conventions, and conventions by definition are something that is used often, and you don't want to go against convention every time. This is the opposite of it and some of the others. The heredit- well, hereditary, hereditary, I liked because it did what this is doing, and it is crafting those scares. A couple of them are not panning out the way I would want them to be, my personal preference, but it still is creepy, and you've done a good job getting me up to that moment. So I got to give it credit for that. The art direction is great. I feel like not only the direction of the actors, but the camera direction is yeah. amazing. This, I mean, I'm only one episode in, but I definitely feel like the house itself is going to become more of a character as we go on, the rooms and yeah. stuff. It's pretty, you know, it does a good job of being pretty creepy. And uh, I'm, really, I'm really on board with, with what I've seen so far. So I'm actually really excited to, to, to keep moving along here. It's based off of a book, and I really kind of want to check the book out now. It's a gothic horror novel by Shirley Jackson. Yeah, if anybody's read the book, let us know how that pans out and what's book. that you have? Yeah, it's really, really good. In, uh, in the second chapter, the second chapter is the one that's about the funeral. There's one page that's just one long page <laughs> of everything. And as you read, you get from one paragraph to the next and it changes ages. And you're like, how did they do that? <laughs> you had me that time. I could see on the video that you were like, I know where you're going with this. I know what you're going to do, Rumi, but I'm in for the ride. Have you read the book, though? No, no. But it, like, this is a, I, I would, I like, based on how the show is going so far, I would. Oh, well, in the first chapter, you can't tell if there's four or five kids. It's really confusing. <laughs> you have to read it like six times. <laughs> if any of our fans have read this book, let us know what you thought of it and let us know how it compares to the TV show. That's something I'm interested to find out is if they took a lot of liberties or if it's fairly close to what Shirley Jackson wrote. So, yeah, let us know about that. Also, at the suggestion of one of our Facebook followers, uh, I started watching... The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And you were a huge fan of the Melissa Joan Hart one, if I remember correctly. There was a lot of cosplay going on with you. <laughs> I've never seen Sabrina in my life. Um, I mean, I know she's a comic book, like a Harvey Comics, mm-hmm. uh, Archie comic spinoff. Yeah, I know there was a TV show. I never saw it, uh, <laughs> despite Rumi's insistence. I've never seen it. I saw a trailer for it, and it looked kind of interesting. Like, mm-hmm. the trailer looked weird. They were like goat satans and like demons and monsters and scarecrow monsters. So I checked it out. I'm about halfway through right now, and um, I'm going to finish it, mm-hmm. and I like it. It's very entertaining. It makes me roll my eyes a lot because she's super innocent, very much... She's so innocent and wants the best for the world. And like, I just saw an episode where she goes to like a witch school and like defeats hazing with some child ghosts. Oh, that's, that's good though. <laughs> she defeats hazing with children who were murdered being hazed. That's kind of badass. So as much as I roll okay. my eyes about like, you know, that, that she can just single-handedly defeat like an age old institution um, and, and shitty practice, I do give it props for using murdered children. And like, they're straight up. The The show is about she doesn't want to sign her name in the book of Satan. Right. And it's like, whoa, they do not shy away from the hail Satan aspect of her being a witch. And that's kind of badass. Sure, so, sure. Kevin and Meg, uh, my brother and his wife started watching it as well. And Meg keeps texting me in all caps. I can see every layer of makeup they wear. They don't even put lipstick on right. Like, they put lipstick on like I reapply lipstick after I've been drinking. Like, that made me laugh really hard. And the makeup is kind of terrible, but the monster makeup is kind of cool. So, you know, I'm 50-50 on it. It's a damn, like, entertaining show, and the characters are compelling enough to make me, I'm, you know, I'm going to watch it. So, you, you got me there. Seen, 
I didn't, I, you know, I, I know what the first one is. I believe I saw the movie when it came out. I believe there was a, a original movie that then spawned the show from, mm-hmm. from the Melissa Joan Hart one, I think. Because I feel like I'm at least familiar with the character and she lives with ants and she's got a talking cat. But like, I, know, I don't know. And I know the show was like for family. It was very safe. And this is not really what that's supposed to be, I guess. I like some of the talent that they've pulled into this one, the actors and the cast. And yeah. I read some stuff. I read a, 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 like a review in Entertainment Weekly that when you read the review, it looks like the guy is panning it. But then at the end, he's like, B plus. And you're like, um, I don't know how that works. But then again, we've shit all over some stuff. Or specifically, I've shit all over stuff and then given it a B. Um, yeah. But it sounds like well, everything that you just said, this guy took a little bit more issue with the points that you made. But he Oh, se- seemed the, to the weird blurriness. Did he mention that shit? No, but our friends Lauren, Nick, and um, Jackson, a whole bunch of people that I went to uh, an event with the other night, were saying the same thing. Where they were the blurry thing, and they were trying to figure out what it was. Was the blurry thing magic vision? Was it this? Was it that? But it seems like it was used. They just shoot the show with. They shoot sh- the show with weird lenses, and the edges of everything is blurry. And I said that blurry. when that happens, that's the POV of a creepy character that we haven't met yet. <laughs> okay, so the whole show. Yeah. The cat doesn't talk either, which I guess I'm okay with. Yeah, I guess it's fine. But um, there is a character in it that's really fun. Cousin Ambrose is a lot of fun. He's one that you keep watching for because you want to see what trouble he can get into. So when they say the show is chaos, the, the chilling adventures of Sabrina, it's also Cousin Ambrose, occasionally Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like from what I've heard so far, it seems like everybody that I know is saying that it lands on the side of you should check it out. Like, I'll at least give it, like what I'm talking about for Hill House, I'll at least give it two or three episodes. The problem yeah. for me is like, it's not getting rave reviews from anybody that I care about. So it's not, it's not at the front of my queue. I'll get yeah. to it when I get to it. I'll try to get to it soon, but. The title sequence is awesome because it's all like pre-code horror comics, like EC Comics inspired. Mm. Really cool opening title sequence. That's cool. And you said it's got creature makeups and stuff in it? Oh, yeah, there's monsters. Like, worth in the first watch, episode, she gets watching. attacked. Oh, yeah, she gets attacked by a scarecrow monster. Um, Satan comes out of a tree, and he's a snarling goat monster. There's, like, zombie chicks. There's a sleep demon that's trapped in a lament configuration type box. That's kind of fun. I've been watching Daredevil. Have you seen Daredevil yet? I heard there was a third season. I didn't even check it out. Yeah, you know what? It came out pretty quietly. Uh, you know what? Yeah. You know, and, and our listeners, I'm sure, know, I'm a huge Daredevil fan. That is a character yeah. that I care about. Like, near, he's probably my favorite superhero, like, across the board, if I had to pick one, which would be hard, but I'd pick him, I think. Every time I'm watching an episode, I'm like, ugh, I don't like how they handled that. Mm, I don't like how they did that. Oh, I, I, you know. But then, at the end of the episode, I'm like, that was good. And I think... What it is, is it's the greatest example that I can think of is when you read the comic book, you're like, that was awesome. But there are certain things that would not work on screen the way it is in a comic book. And the thing that I always think about is like when the first X-Men movie came out, everyone, there were critiques where like Wolverine just wore jackets and jeans the whole time. I want to see him in the mask and the outfit, you know, the costume. But you don't really. Well, like I I feel like I want to try it. Like, let me see it. I've seen it online in fan films and stuff and it looks passable, but like. Could you watch a whole movie where he was dressed like that or would you suspend your disbelief because at a certain point it would be goofy? He can't do everything he does in the comic books, you know? Yeah. So I think that that there's something to be said for that. And I think if everything in the comic books was how this worked or if everything in the comic books was put like that on Daredevil Netflix's show, I don't think it would look 
how I want it to look. Right. So I got to give them credit for changing the things that need to be changed to make it work. And in the comics, Foggy Nelson is a little bit more bumbly. He's a little bit more of a side character and doesn't really have his own guster bringing him through. And the first, every time I watch a Foggy Nelson scene in this show, I'm like, that was great. And that guy's a great character, but that's not how Foggy Nelson is in the comics. But then I'm like, well, if he was the same character, there would be no B or C story. You know what I mean? It's not, the the, the, the comics don't have a strong yeah. enough side story with him to make it work. I actually really like how they handle Foggy in the TV show. And I, I've watched the first two seasons and, and really like them. I yeah. love the first two seasons. Second season I thought was incredible. Um, I love how they brought the Punisher into it. He was he was badass in the second season. But I like how Foggy Nelson is because he's competent. Like he is yeah, kind of a, right. a, a kind of a doof, you know, but not not in a way that doesn't, every time he comes on screen you roll your eyes. Because I know a lot of shows where the B-plot characters and the sidekicks are so terrible that you just hate every time they're on screen. Right. And this is not this is not the case. I actually want him to succeed. He he gets into some danger himself, and he is like an interesting moral compass for Daredevil because he's not necessarily the antithesis. They're actually on the same page, but he is the person that I can relate to because I don't go fight crime. I would handle it more in the Foggy Nelson way. Sure, and I think, like I said, they've done the show has done a great job of taking that character, and he is a part of Matt's moral compass in the comics. He is a very yeah. important character in Matt's life and drives a lot of stuff and also is a very good foil at, like you said, a very good foil at times. But in this, they needed to make him a little bit more self-realized to be a bigger character so that he could have a whole scene or even a whole storyline by himself. And I, yeah. I think me being such a stale heart Daredevil fan, when I watch that, I'm like, that's not how Foggy Nelson is. But then I love the actor and the director and the show's portrayal of that character. So I can't, yeah. I can't put that in the minus column. You know what I mean? And no, it's its own thing. You'd have to look at it as like a different run. Like it's not the Bendis run. It's the more the the Anasenti run or something like that. You well, know, it's, like, it's, it's you know what it is. It's inspired by those, but it's a li- it's almost like the Christopher Nolan version of Batman. There are certain things you yeah. have to change to make that work in that universe, and I think Netflix is doing that with that. I don't want to spoil too much. The villain in this season, at least where I am, I'm about halfway through right now, is shaping up to be Bullseye. There's a guy who has perfect accuracy with X, Y, and Z. In this, he has a backstory. He's got a he's an FBI agent who's charged with protecting Fisk, who's now a witness for this for the state for some stuff. So Fisk is trying to where I'm at now, Fisk is trying to get his tentacles into this guy and manipulate him into becoming his agent of, you know, chaos. And Mm -hmm. that is not Bullseye's, I guess, technically, it's not one of his bulls one of one of his origins in the comics. But again, you gotta make this a little bit different than the comics. I probably don't wanna watch the exact thing I've already read. The actor who's doing it is doing a great job. The couple times that they've shown him in action, beautiful. Really exactly what you expect him to be doing. And I like this, the way the story is shaping up so far. So I'm does, actually Does really he have excited. the tattoo of a, of a bullseye no. carved into his forehead? No, no? which is Does fine he wear a ridiculous me. spandex suit with a bullseye on his forehead? Not yet, but that's one thing I wouldn't mind watching the suit. But again, I think that would look stupid. But we'll see. Um, yeah. I won't. I won't say anything else about that. But I'm. I like what. I like where they're going so far, even though it's a lot different from my taste. I will. I will eventually watch it. I just. I think I have superhero fatigue a little bit. I don't I blame you. Do. I think as a society, we're going to start getting into that pretty soon. I think. I mean, especially right now, where it's like there are no superheroes. I see a lot of supervillains, not a lot of superheroes, and nothing that makes me want to like. I don't know. I'm just. I guess I'm just tired of the suits. I don't blame you. Although I love them. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally do. I mean, I'm still reading comic books, and I, I will nerd. watch Daredevil. Nerd. <laughs> nerd. Fucking nerd. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to give it a check out. So let us know what you've been watching, guys. Let us know on our Instagram, on our Twitter, on our Facebook, at Launchpad Pod. And on Mondays, check out our own comic book. Hopefully you're not fatigued of this superhero. Check out Destroyer. Destroyer Mondays, the official comic book of the Launchpad Podcast, on our website, launchpadpod.com. Dude, a quick plug for that. You guys know, I'm sure you guys have been reading It Looks Like One of the Handsome Boys. And I tried to get my dad like to listen to some of my bullshit about the podcast while he was visiting. He didn't care about the podcast. But I did show him Destroyer. And he read, because my dad doesn't know how to operate any sort of electronics. So I was like, you can go to our <laughs> website and read it. And he's like, yeah, but how do I do that? So I showed him how to do it. And we read, right now there's seven issues up. The eighth drops from where we're, we're recording on Sunday the 4th. So the eighth issue drops tomorrow. My dad's reading it. He was cracking up. And then he would say lines like, I go commando or something like that. He was saying lines yeah. and then he'd look at me and go, you would say that. Like there's, there's a time where the bad guys are creeping up on Destroyer in the tent and Destroyer yeah. comes down Spider-Man style from a rope on the tree and says something like, what's up ladies or what's up girls? And my dad looked at me and he goes, that's what you would say. <laughs> The funny thing is, is we're on Skype right now, and you're wearing the Destroyer shirt. Oh, I am. I'm wearing the Destroyer outfit right now. Uh, for those, uh, and I was thinking of doing a photo series of me in the Destroyer costume, doing different things. Uh, maybe we'll do that at some point. But Steve, we'll I'll have to figure out how to make a helmet then, huh? <laughs> yes, dude, that's coming up soon. Steve Prince, the writer, I guess he's co-creator and the artist. He is just killing it. If you haven't checked out Destroyer, you can find that really at thelaunchpadpod.com. Uh, it's on our blog page. We release it every Monday, so check it out. Destroy your Mondays. Awesome. Till next time, guys. We're the Rocketeers, and we're out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.